Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Okay, so we're continuing with Stand, uh, little mini-series we're doing, Why Prayer is Powerful. Last week we looked at... Um, we looked at these three different things. We looked at looking at stand alongside, stand in the gap, and stand up. And last week we looked at stand alongside. I told you my story of being pushed down in prayer, which many of you found hilarious, apparently. Um, didn't put me off, though, did it? And so we're still here. And uh, we talked about how when we come alongside someone in prayer, we really do incarnate Jesus, don't we? We actually we, we, we make Jesus present in that person's life. And so I encourage you, if you missed that talk, Catch up on YouTube, because uh, we did some practical stuff at the end of that talk on the best way to pray for someone and how we can come alongside and honour the person and make sure they feel safe and secure when we pray for them. And our hope was, as we said, that no one stands alone, that anyone can come alongside anybody and, uh, and, and present Jesus to them, speak the words of Jesus to them and encourage them um, in prayer. It's a bit dark, and if you go on to 75 on the lights, or is it just me? Oh, there you are. You see, I can see you now. Turn them down, yeah. So today I'm looking at standing in the gap. Standing in the gap. What does it mean to stand in the gap in prayer? Well, there's a word that we sometimes use uh, around church circles called to say to intercede. We intercede for someone. Again, another churchy word that if you ask someone on the street, what does it mean to intercede? They'd probably be unsure what that word means. Well, intercede comes from two Latin words. It... um, it means to go between, to go, cedra to go, and inter meaning between. So to intercede is to literally go between. And so when we intercede in prayer, we go between a person or people or a situation for God. We stand in the gap between those people or things. A bit like this diagram, we're that, we're that orange bit in the middle. We go in between the person or the situation and God. We go in the gap for that person. To understand why we do this, we need to understand a bit about the kingdom of God that Jesus spoke about when he came upon the earth. Jesus gave us a model prayer, an intercessory prayer, an interceding prayer to pray when the disciples asked him, Jesus, how should we pray? How should we pray? And he gave them a prayer that you're all very, very familiar with. It goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And this is the model prayer that Jesus gave the disciples when they asked him, Jesus, how do we pray? And this is a prayer of intercession. This is an interceding prayer. When we say this prayer, you and I are standing in the gap between our present earthly age and our future kingdom age that Jesus spoke about and referred to. So I'm going to put a few diagrams up on the, on the screen for you. Now, if you don't like charts, I do apologise. But we have to try and understand this kingdom and earthly dynamic. So let's imagine, at the moment, there's two different realms. There's an earthly realm represented by the blue arrow on the bottom, and there's a heavenly realm represented by the orange arrow at the top. 
And these two realms are coexisting. So as you sit here this morning in the earthly realm, the physical realm, at the same time, there is also a heavenly realm existing, a spiritual realm existing. So imagine over here is the earthly realm, and over here is the spiritual realm. And these two things are coexisting at the same time. God isn't going to suddenly appear when we get to heaven. Okay? He's already existing right now. I love the way scientists are trying to figure out the way that the unseen and the seen of the universe coexist. I don't think heaven is a place up there. I think heaven is a place, I shan't say place on earth because we'll be singing Belinda Carlisle songs the rest of the day. <laughs> That's a joke for the oldest in the room. Um, heaven, heaven is here now. The spiritual realm is coexisting with the earthly realm as we speak. That the spiritual realm and the physical realm actually coexist. But we can't think of them as the heavenly realm being the future age and the earthly realm being the present age. But they are overlapping each other. They are coexisting at the same time. Are you with me so far? Okay, so there's the, the heavenly realm and the earthly realm coexisting simultaneously. When Jesus came to earth, he, we talked about a lot about this last week, didn't he? He was God in human form, God with skin on. And, and Jesus came and he introduced the kingdom of God. Posh word is he inaugurated it. He launched the kingdom of God into the earthly age. And so he went around saying things like, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, because that is why I've been sent. So he was making people aware there was more than just the earthly realm. There was a, a heavenly realm where God was king. Where God was king. And that, that kingdom of God was breaking into the earthly realm. was breaking into the present age. And the good news that Jesus talked about was when he went around and basically he spoke about uh, demonstrating the kingdom. He went and prayed for people and they were healed. He he released people. He, he spoke forgiveness into people's lives. He said, when, when you enter, he sent the disciples out to do the same. He said, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So disciples go out and tell people that the heavenly kingdom is breaking into the present age. And you are like, you're to announce that and you're to demonstrate that. And you're demonstrating the good news of the kingdom by telling people that God is close to you, God loves you, God forgives you, God wants to restore you. All demonstrations that the heavenly age is drawing close to the present age. So Jesus introduced the kingdom some 2,000 years ago. And the kingdom has been coming over the past 2,000 years. Believers have been praying that prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done for 2,000 plus years. They've been interceding for the kingdom of God to break in in its fullness into the present age. But the kingdom hasn't fully arrived. The kingdom isn't fully here. We see glimpses of the kingdom. We see glimpses of, of God's rule and reign, but it's not arrived fully yet. It will only arrive fully when Jesus comes for the second time. Jesus spoke about his second coming repeatedly when he was on the earth. He said, I will come again 
But I don't know when. I don't know the time or the date. Only God knows that. And you guys need to be ready because you don't know when I'm coming back either. So he told many parables, didn't he, about, about stewardship and being ready and waiting and active in our Christian lives because we don't know the time or the date when Jesus will come again and he will kind of roll up the present age. That will be the end of the present age and we'll be fully into the future age of the kingdom. So we live in this strange place. We live in this strange place in between the ages where the kingdom of God breaks in, but evil is still very much present all around us. And we live in this strange interim place where we know we're at home on the earth, but we don't feel fully at home on the earth. Yeah? C.S. Lewis spoke about, you know, and Moses described, was described as a sojourner, someone who is travelling through. And C.S. Lewis said there are lots of great inns or pubs on the journey, but don't get fooled. That's not your destination. You know, God will refresh you and provide respite for you during this time on earth, but don't get confused. That's not where you're supposed to end up. You're supposed to end up in the heavenly realm. That's your destination. That's where we're all going to be with God. And we live in this strange time when we sense God's presence close to us, but also evil breaks in. And we live in this time when Great stuff is happening, but also really bad stuff is happening. And you and I, we live right there, in between the ages. And when you choose to follow Jesus, you get to become part of ushering in the kingdom. You get to become part of God's kingdom plan to fulfill the incoming heavenly realm. The kingdom of God flows through you into this present age. God puts his Holy Spirit in us and as a deposit of that future age and his kingdom flows through us into the present age. So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, you're standing in the gap right there in between the ages. You are ushering in the fullness of the kingdom. You're praying for the future fullness of God's kingdom to break into the present earthly age. So you and I, we live lives of intercession. We live lives in the gap between the future fullness of what God is going to bring and the present earthly age. You are walking intercessors because you bring a deposit of God's fullness into the present age. So when we intercede in prayer, we're saying, God, will you, will you please bring your kingdom fullness into the now, into this person's life, into this situation? Will you make good? Will you restore? Will you make whole? Just as it is in heaven, where you get to rule and reign completely, bring that fullness into this situation right now. We're asking, asking for that fullness of God to break in to the present age. And it's this understanding of the kingdom that helps us understand why you and I are called to pray, why you and I are called to stand in the gap. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. There's a lot in there to think about. But just as Jesus demonstrated the fullness of God, 
when he spoke about the kingdom and he demonstrated the kingdom, you and I are called to demonstrate the fullness of God too. You and I are called to go around speaking about the future kingdom. God is good. God is coming. God is approaching. And the good news is, you can say to someone, God loves you. God wants to be reconciled to you. God wants you to live an eternity in love with him. There's a better destination than this one for you. So this gives us our framework for ministry. When we pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done, or when we pray, come Holy Spirit, when we minister to someone, we're asking for the fullness of God's kingdom to come into the present age. And sometimes it feels like the, 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 the veil separating the present age and the future age becomes incredibly thin. We have those moments, don't we, when we sense God's presence acutely close to us. It might be in a personal time, it might be in a gathered time, but suddenly the veil separating the future age and the present age grows thin. And it's almost like we can reach and touch heaven. You sense God's stillness in the room? The veil grows thin and we sense the presence of God. And that happens for every believer in different ways. When Jacob was wandering the wilderness in scripture, he lay down, he dreamt, and he had a vision of angels ascending and descending from heaven to the place where he was. And you might have been in, in situations personally or in conferences or worship times, and suddenly the veil that separates the future fullness and the present age gets thin. And throughout history, believers have encountered thin places where they, they sense the presence of God. And I think Riverside is a bit of a thin place because people come in here in the week and they go, there's something here, something here. It feels welcoming, it feels warm, it feels... And what they're describing is the future fullness of the kingdom, breaking in to a place and a time. And they're getting a hint and a sense of what it feels like when God is fully around. So you and I are called to live lives in the gap. We stand in the gap continually because of the deposit of the Holy Spirit that's been placed within us. So when we pray that prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is right now in heaven. We're acting like a little conduit for the fullness of God to flow through us into the present age. We bridge the gap between the future reality of the fullness of God and the present incompleteness of the age that we live in. Intercession. Intercession is a stretching thing because it feels like you've got one hand in eternity and one hand in the present. Anybody like Batman? In the first film, which Katie really likes, Batman Begins, it tells you the, the story of how Bruce Wayne becomes Batman. And Bruce 
Uh, Bruce's father and mother are shot and killed, and he has a, a crisis of, of who he is, and he climbs a mountain, and he meets these strange, mysterious monks, and they teach him and train him in all these different arts. And the grandmaster there is a guy called Ducard, and they're up in this mountain hideaway, and Ducard teaches Bruce everything he needs to know to become a strong fighter and warrior. But at the end of his training, Ducard reveals to Batman, to Bruce, that actually the purpose of these warrior monks is to go and destroy Gotham City. They're going to destroy Bruce's hometown. And when Bruce hears that, all chaos breaks loose. Let's, uh, let's watch a clip. That's what intercession can feel like. <laughs> Not quite as exciting as Batman, but that stretching, that being pulled in two places, that's what intercession can feel like. Bruce magnanimously decides to save his archenemy there, but you can see the strain on him as he's basically hanging on to the mountainside and trying to pull Razal Ghul back into a place of safety. And that stretching, that pulling can feel, that's what intercession can feel like. You've got one hand anchored in the now and the, and the pain and the suffering and the incompleteness, and you're trying to reach into eternity and pull in the fullness of God, pull in the power of God, the salvation of God, the healing of God, the restoration of God. And you are being stretched in the middle. And that's why we don't, we don't naturally gravitate towards intercession because it's hard work. It's hard work. Someone wants to describe you like digging trenches. It's hard work to intercede, to stand in the gap between the present reality uh, and the future fullness of God and act as a bridge between those things. It takes a lot out of you to intercede. You know, you, you hold an intercessory prayer meeting and you will not get a full room. <laughs> you know, it's not the sort of thing, oh, let's rush to an intercessory prayer meeting. You won't get a full room because it's hard work and it's difficult and it takes it out of us to give ourselves to be stretched in that way. In his letter to the church in Corinth, Paul talks to his friend, he's got a friend called Epaphras and he's wrestling in prayer for the Colossian believers and this is what Paul writes. Epaphras is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sent greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. So this guy is wrestling in prayer for the church in, in Colossae. He's wrestling in prayer for the, 
believers there. And the, and the word that's used there by Paul, it's like a, a fighting, a contending, a hand-to-hand combat that he's doing, standing in the gap for these believers, these Colossians. He wants the very best for them. He wants, the, he wants them to be mature and fully assured in their understanding and relationship with Christ. So he's wrestling for them. He's contending for that. He's trying to reach into the future fullness of God and draw it down into the present reality for the Colossians. He's, he's engaged fully in praying for them. A phrase we've has become popular recently, he's praying his best prayers. He's praying his most earnest prayers for the Colossians. And this word here also means to compete for the prize. That's how hard he's fighting in prayer for these believers. He's fighting like he wants to win the race. He wants to get the gold medal in prayer for these believers. That's how earnestly Epaphras is praying for the Colossians. And you and I can get drawn into that sometimes. We can get drawn into wrestling prayers for situations that move us. Uh, and God can use us to wrestle in prayer for someone or something. Lyndall Bywater, who is a, a lady who te- teaches on prayer in the area, lives in Canterbury, has taught for many years and hosted many prayer events in the area. She's got some helpful terms around intercession, different ways that God might use you and me to stand in the gap. The first kind of intercession or interceding she calls us to do is what she calls shoulder prayers. Sometimes God just asks us to pray for something and it's not very exciting and it doesn't move us and it doesn't get us in the feelies. But sometimes we just have to do it out of duty and responsibility. When Paul writes to Timothy, he encourages him to shoulder certain prayer responsibilities. He says this, I urge you then, first of all, that prayers, petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So Paul is telling Timothy and telling us that we have a duty to shoulder intercessory prayers for those in authority over us. Who gets excited about praying for the government? (laughs) Nobody. But we have a calling to pray for those in authority over. We've got a calling to shoulder certain prayers of intercession to pray for those in authority over over us we may not feel motivated or excited about it but there is a calling Paul says for us all to to shoulder some of that responsibility to stand in the gap for those who have the unenviable job of trying to rule countries and nations because I'm sure I wouldn't want to try and do that job and sometimes it's easier to to complain isn't it and to criticize rather than to pray for to stand in the gap. And Paul adds, I think, this, this uh, encouragement. You know, it's not very exciting, he says, but you need to do it because if you do it, then we get to live peaceful and quiet lives. Because if God's authority comes to bear on those who are in authority, then there's a better chance you and I will live better lives because of it. And so if you want any motivation, recognize that if God's authority comes to bear in those in government or kings and queens, then it's going to help you further down the tree because 
they're going to be influenced by a God who can rule justly. So we get to shoulder prayers, duty prayers that we can intercede for. But also, Lindell describes what she calls heart prayers. Sometimes God does get us in the fields. God engages our heart, engages our emotions, and moves us to pray that way. Paul is moved to pray for his protege, Timothy. He says this in one of his letters. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. It is Paul talking about Timothy. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. Clearly there's an emotional connection here between the Apostle Paul and, the, and Timothy. And Paul is moved in the heart to pray day and night for Timothy. So our emotions can be a really powerful motivator when it comes to intercession. They can help us stand in the gap for someone or something because God has moved us in the heart. We don't always have to be moved in the heart to pray, as we just looked at, but often we are moved in our hearts and then we, we, we call out to God for that person or that situation. We stand in the gap. And that person might be someone close to us or it might be a plight far away in a different country or a different nation that God moves us to pray for. So different ways God can move us, different things that we call to pray for. And just some closing, just some tips around intercession because again, it's not a very exciting topic. You don't find many people, you say, what's your thing I'm really into? Intercession. You don't find those people. So I want to just give you some tips that might help you when it comes to standing in the gap for somebody. The first thing you might want to do is borrow some words. Sometimes when you pray for a person or a situation, you don't have the vocabulary that you want to use for that situation. You don't know exactly how to pray or what you should say. And that's where we can turn to things like Psalms to really help us. The book of Psalms in your Bibles, they're prayers written to songs. And they're full of language that you and I can use to help us express our hearts to God, express what we want to say in a situation. And their ancient prayers have been used for hundreds of years, and they still stand us in good stead today. And within them, you can find language that might help you when you're standing in the gap for someone. You might find other parts of your Bible equally helpful as well. Last Sunday night at Worship Space, Jake was speaking about the revival that's happening at Asbury University in Kentucky. A few of you here would have heard him speaking about that and just that passion around a move of God amongst young people. And when I heard Jake speak about that, I said to God, well, why not here? Why not here, God? Why not in Whitstable? Why couldn't there be a powerful move amongst young people in this area? And I felt God speak to me out of a verse, out of Revelation, Revelation 3.8, and it says this, I know your deeds, see I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And I felt God say, there is an open door before you as a church community which we can walk through into essentially a greater fullness of God, a, a revival, a great experience of God. So I'm going to borrow these words from Revelation. I'm going to borrow these words from Revelation 3.8 See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And I'm going to use it as an intercessory prayer. I can say, God, I feel you gave me these words and I'm going to give them back to you. Help us move through this door. 
Show us what this door looks like. How can we enter into what you've put before us? So I'm borrowing the words out of context, I know, from Revelation 3.8, and I'm taking them back to God. And you can use words from Scripture, borrow them, and use them as prayer. You can take them back to God. And obviously you need to be careful with that and be aware of the context. You can't start praying curses on people from Scripture. That's not going to go well. But you can borrow words. You can borrow words. And you can also bring promises. You can hold a promise before God. You might feel God has given you a promise for a person or a situation. It might have been given to you a long time ago or more recently. And you can bring that promise back to God in intercession. Standing in the gap, calling in that promise into the present age. When Keely and I moved from Birmingham to Whitstable, we felt God gave us a promise. It was from Isaiah. We spoke about it many times. It says in Isaiah that, that, that there'd be a place that gives glory to God and a people who would declare his praise in the coastlands. So this is a promise that we hold before God. We say to God, you said, if we came here and did this thing, then you would create a space where people give glory to you and create a community that gives praise to you in the coastlands. So we hold this promise before God. This was your idea, God. <laughs> this is what you said. It feels a bit dark today. It feels a bit gloomy today. It feels a bit, I feel a bit down today. I feel a bit hopeless today. We all have those days, don't we? Bring that promise back to God. God, this was your idea. This is what you said. We tried to respond to you, and we've come. So I bring this promise back to you. And you do your bit now. I stand in the gap between the, what's presently happening and the future fullness. We bring it back to God, and we stand in the gap until it comes to being. So don't lose sight of those promises that God's given you. Because you need to bring them back to God and say, God, fulfill your end of the bargain. Do what you said you were going to do. And lastly, we can pray without words. In his letter to the church in Rome, Paul describes this strange phenomenon. He says, when words fail us, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I don't know whether you've ever experienced this, but sometimes you're, just, you're not sure how to pray, what to pray, you're emotionally wrung out, you just don't, and sometimes you're just kind of groaning in prayer. You're just kind of wrestling with the situation. You just, and God, you see, God doesn't need all your nice words. He needs you to be that person of intercession. And so you can be effectively interceding for something with wordless groans. Just because you're present in the gap between the present age and the future age, you are ushering in the kingdom. And sometimes you don't know what to say, how to say it, how to express it, what to pray for. You can just come to God and say, God, I just don't know, but I'm here. I'm just here expressing a desire that something would change in this situation. And it was like through COVID, wasn't it? And these difficult times we've had recently, we just didn't know how to pray, what the best thing to pray, what the best thing to happen was. We look at some of the situations on the face of the earth at the moment, and we, we just... We're agog, we don't know how to pray, where to start, but we can still come because Paul says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit of Jesus himself intercedes through us with wordless groans. So we're still in that place 
of intercession. And often we'll come to the end of ourselves in prayer, but God will still use us because we're this in-between people who stand in the gap. And sometimes we cry, and sometimes we groan, and sometimes we bang the floor, and sometimes we just lie down, and sometimes we vent our frustration. We just, we just do. We're just in the gap between the future age and the present age. And all those groans, they reach God and they act to bring in the kingdom. They act to bring in, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So guys, just to, just to close. Intercession, interceding, not glamorous, not many people do it, but hopefully I've inspired you today to think about your lives as, as intercession, that you stand in the gap continually because of the kingdom of God and what Jesus has done in you and deposited in you by his spirit. And like we said last week, standing alongside somebody, standing in the gap, none of these things require any special training, require any special words or skills. They just require you to be you, who you are and to be present in that situation. It just requires you. You're living in the gap between the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet. When, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, give us today our daily bread. We're calling in the provision from the future into the now. We're saying, God, I trust you that you've got provision for me. So give me today a bit of the future and bring it into the now. And that's what we do when we pray. We're bringing in some of the fullness of the future into the now. And you and I can help usher in the kingdom of God with simple prayers, simple actions, because of what God has done in us and through us. So I want to encourage you to, from today, maybe think about one thing that you're going to shoulder. Not an exciting prayer, not something fun, but you're going to shoulder a prayer. You're going to pray for something to change. And then maybe ask God to also lay something on your heart, something that will move you in your heart, a heart prayer, someone or something. Praying God's best for both those situations. Let's stand together for Abel. In other words, that song, we can't always sense when the Lord's working, but we can sometimes sense when he's present. And he's present today in our gathering. And scripture encourages us not to quench the flame of the spirit, not to put out the spirit's fire. And often we think that's just about not doing bad things or naughty things. But one of the ways we don't quench the spirit is when we sense God's presence close and we draw close to him. And so whenever I sense the Lord's presence, I will, I will try and get more of him try and get more of his spirit into my life and so God is here today by his spirit and if you want a touch of God's spirit today if you want more of God's spirit in your life then why don't you make your way to the front we're just going to pray we're just going to pray for more of God's spirit in our lives, we don't want to put out the spirit's fire, we want more of the spirit's fire in our lives, if that resonates with you, if you sense the Lord speaking to you then just come forward and we're just going to pray we're just going to pray Thank you.
want your fire. We want your fire in our lives. We want the flames of your spirit to burn brightly in our lives, God. The fire of your spirit, God. We're kingdom people. We're people of the not yet, God. And we want that reality, God, to come forth again. God, where it's been covered over by the present age, God, we want that heavenly age to come forth, God, in us again. We want to be quickened, God, to the things of the Spirit. We want to be quickened, God, to your kingdom. We want to be quickened, God. We want to be moved, God, in our hearts to the plight of the people around us, God. We don't want to be an indifferent people, God. So, God, we ask for the flames of your Spirit to burn bright in us again today, God. We stand here today, God, with hands outstretched, God. We say, would you pour out your Spirit afresh into our lives, God? Would you come, heavenly fire, come and fall in our lives again today, we pray. Burn up the dross, God. Burn up the dross, God. Let us become kingdom people. Kingdom people, God. People who stand in the gap between the future fullness, God, and this present age, God. We want to feel the stretch, God. We want to feel the stretch. We want to feel like kingdom people again, God. So would you come and quicken us. And we cry out for revival, God. We cry out for a move of your spirit, God, in this community, God. We cry out for a move of your spirit, God, in the hearts of young people, God. We call out to you today, Jesus. We call out and say, God, let us go through the door, God. You've opened the door, God. We want to go through the door, God, the door that cannot be shut. You've placed a door before us, God, that cannot be shut. Let us enter in, God. Enter in, God, with all that we have. Come, Holy Spirit, would you move on us today? Would you move on us today? We sense your presence. We sense your presence. Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.